0: your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another new episode of Locked On Rockets. I'm your host, Ben DuBose. We're chatting on this Wednesday, first day of February. It's an off day for the Rockets. They're coming off a big 105-83 win over the Sacramento Kings on Tuesday night. That pushes them to 36-16 and on the year, still in firm command of the number three seed in the Western Conference. And, well, if you want to hear more about that game, I did just get done a few hours ago with a full postgame recap. But for today, it's a true off day for the Rockets. Not only is there no game, there's no practice. That's probably the right call by Mike D'Antoni because the Rockets have three games in four nights this week, starting with the game last night against Sacramento and then continuing with the back-to-back against the Atlanta Hawks and Chicago Bulls on Friday and uh, Thursday nights. And with Wednesday being the only off day, rather than squeeze into practice, you should probably let the players actually rest. We know the Rockets have had a lot of injuries, a lot of fatigue issues of late. So yes, practice matters. But right now, playing three games in four nights, rest is probably the biggest thing that the Rockets could get out of this Wednesday off day. So because of that, there's not really anything new to talk about from a basketball standpoint. We're not going to physically see the Rockets again until shoot-around Thursday and, of course, Thursday night when the Rockets actually take on Dwight Howard and the Atlanta Hawks at Toyota Center. So with no new basketball news today, I wanted to spend this episode talking on a little bit of a sensitive subject, but one that's getting a lot of traction here in the local media, and that's the return of Dwight Howard. It's his only game that he's going to play at Toyota Center all year because with the Hawks being an Eastern Conference team, the Rockets only played them twice. Once there, once here. Rockets played them in Atlanta earlier this year, early November. Hawks won that game with relative ease. But the Rockets then, of course, that was the group that started 6-5, and five, absence of Pat Beverly. They were nowhere near the team they are today. So yeah, hopefully the Rockets play better from a basketball standpoint. But that game was in Atlanta. That game was home for Dwight. This game, it's going to be very interesting because it's in Houston. And yeah, the Rockets want to win the game, but one thing that I think people around the team are very anxious and curious to see is what the reception is going to be for Dwight Howard. And I've seen a lot of speculation on it today in the media, people saying, well, Will he get booed? I know some might do it. I get the narratives. I get the casual fans. But I want to spend this just kind of reflecting on the Dwight Howard era in Houston and reminding you guys why not only should you not boo him, this is a guy who deserves a standing ovation for what he did in Houston, and really to set a tone for why future free agents, just like Dwight Howard was a star free agent in the summer of 2013 and picked the Rockets when no one had before, if you set a good tone with how Dwight is received upon his return, that can also go a long way towards attracting future star free agents like Dwight to eventually come to the Rockets and for Houston to be seen as a true destination franchise with great fans. First things first, one of the things that really bugs me about the perception of the Dwight Howard era, his three seasons with the Rockets, I see a lot of people saying, well, why did it not work out? Because we know when he signed in July 2013, there was all this hope about the Rockets being a contender and talking about potential for championships. And yes, in those three years, the Rockets did not get any. I understand that. However, just because they did not win a championship does not make it a failure if your expectation is championship or bust, that's your problem. That's not realistic. There are too many good teams. Look at last year. The Warriors won 73 games, an all-time record, and then had a 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals. They still didn't win a championship. It's that damn hard. And in some respects, the bar has never been higher with these super teams like what exists with LeBron's Cavaliers and, of course, Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry's Golden State Warriors. The bar is so high. So if you go into a season saying, well, it's championship or bust, and if we don't win a championship, then I'm going to be unhappy. Really, you probably shouldn't watch the NBA or any sport because it's just too hard. There are way too many good teams. There are way too many good executives. All you can do, and the Rockets did that, is put a good team together and hope the breaks go your way in April and May. And over the course of 10, 20 years, yeah, if a GM or a coach can't eventually win a championship, then maybe that speaks to... Uh, some issues that they had in putting a team together. But when the sample size is as small as three years, you can't just say, well, the team didn't win a championship, so something was terribly wrong. No, it doesn't work that way. With a sample that small, all you can do is put a quality product on the floor, and the Rockets certainly did that. The first two years that Dwight Howard was in Houston, they won 54 and 56 games each season. That's an average of 55 wins. Trivia question for you guys. How many seasons have the Rockets exceeded that 55-win average? Answer, twice. 93, 94, and 96, 97. That's how rare 55-plus-win seasons are in Houston. Those 2013, 2014, and 2014, 2015, those are two of the more competitive teams in Rockets franchise history. The latter made their first Western Conference Finals since 1997, an 18-year hiatus, And I know some people are going to say, well, Dwight missed 40 games in that second year when they won 56 games, won the division, with the two seed. Yeah, and then he came back in the playoffs, and remember hashtag playoff Dwight? He was the best player on that team, even over James Harden. In fact, he was the best player on both playoff teams. You can't forget the game six in LA, the miracle comeback the Rockets had in Staples Center against the Clippers. It was Dwight's 2020 game that kept the Rockets close enough for Corey Brewer and Josh Smith to go nuts in the fourth quarter. If not for Howard grinding it out on the inside against DeAndre Jordan and outplaying him, being a rim protector, quite frankly, I don't think the Rockets are within 18 points late in the late in the third quarter for them to. It, this that was a game that easily could have been if not for Dwight's effort on the interior, gotten out to a 30-35 point Clipper lead, just as happened in Game Three and Game Four of that series, and then there's no amount of insanity from Josh Smith in the world that's going to bring you back. Dwight was the guy, he grinded through it. And of course, in the fourth quarter, when James Harden sat on the bench, and that's not a knock on James, the Rockets got something going with that bench unit led by Corey and Josh, so they didn't want to switch it. But yeah, while James was on the bench, Dwight was out there playing. He was out there logging 40-plus minutes, and then you look to the next round, He tore a meniscus, had a sprained MCL, and then played through that against the Warriors and had a great series there as well. So yeah, he missed 40 games in that 56-win season. I get that. And then he came back in the playoffs and was their best player on a team that made Houston's first Western Conference Finals since 1997, an 18-year hiatus. So yeah, those are two of the better years in Rockets franchise history, and Dwight was a tremendous part of that. No, they did not win a championship, but yes, those were two wildly successful years, and if you're a Rockets fan, you have Dwight Howard to thank for a lot of really good memories in those years. Now, what happened last year? Yeah, we all know the Rockets were 41-41, and barely made the playoffs, wildly underachieved. It was a year that we went into the year with championship expectations, and they didn't even break 500. The thing is, I know casual fans are going to spin everything. is Dwight Howard's fault. That's the narrative. Especially when you anger two franchises, the Magic and Lakers, the latter being one of the NBA's glamour, maybe their most glamorous franchise with a lot of fans. That reputation follows him. And so people that don't really follow the Rockets, they twist everything to fit that existing narrative. What I'm telling you guys, as Rockets fans, you know better. Don't fall for that trap. You know that the problems with last year's team were much bigger than Dwight Howard. Now, yes, Dwight did make his mistakes in Orlando and L.A., but he's the first one to own up to them. He has grown into a much more mature, not just a player, but a person. We saw that in Houston on and off the floor. So what happened in Orlando and L.A.? That's not what happened here. And that shouldn't define how you look at Dwight Howard, especially with his time in Houston. And yeah, to get back to last year and the struggles they had, look... The big offseason move to get better was trading for Ty Lawson. He was a complete bust. And I've been through it before. There's no excuses. It wasn't James Harden's fault. It wasn't anybody else. Ty Lawson was a bad basketball player because whatever was going on, we know the DUI situations, the rehab, etc. Whatever the reason, Ty Lawson has just not been a good basketball player the last two years. And that's not on the Rockets. It just happened. Bad luck. Take it. You move on. The rest of it. That was the one time in Gerald Morey's career that he truly invested in continuity rather than, you know, continuity, chemistry, bringing back the band, so to speak, rather than, you know, having a lot of turnover. Well, the role players that worked out so well on that Western Conference Finals team in 2015, the guys like Corey Brewer, Josh Smith, Jason Terry, they got older and worse. Denonis Maniunis, well, he didn't play in the playoffs of that 2015 Western Conference Finals team, but he was a big contributor in the regular season. He was still hurt. He was never the same. Terrence Jones lost his confidence. And then above all that, the Rockets clearly did not have nearly enough shooters for all the threes that they wanted to take. And even the veterans on that group, the guys like James Harden and Trevor Ariza, if you watched last year, you know there were nights that they didn't 100% bring it, especially on the defensive end. The issues with that team last year were far bigger than just Dwight Howard. Now, yes, there were a few awkward quotes. I remember those. When Dwight said he wanted the ball more or more post touches, and no, between us, I don't think that was the answer. I don't agree that, that the Rockets should have run the offense through Dwight or if that was the solution to what they were going through. But guess what? Dwight's human. He's a competitor. Dwight was paid to be the star player of that team alongside James Harden, and if the team is underachieving, he thinks he can and should fix it. That's competitive instinct. How in the hell are we going to hold that against him? Now, yes, there is a point where he can go overboard. But guys, I never saw Dwight do that. This wasn't what happened in L.A. when Dwight was allegedly passing box scores around in the locker room, showing his limited number of shots. It wasn't like that. Dwight had a professional relationship with James and pretty much everyone in that locker room. But when directly asked, he's a human, he's a cutthroat competitor, and being a star player, he wanted to fix it. Now, I don't think getting him more involved was the answer. I think a lot of what happened in terms of... um, him getting fewer touches was related to his kind of declining athleticism. He had the back issue going into Houston, then the knee swelling that he had the second year, and he just lacked the true explosion around the basket. He was never a great post player, where the Rockets really got him involved the first couple of years, was in the lob game and pick and rolls, and with his declining health issues, it made it tougher to do that. So yeah, I don't think that involving Dwight Moore in the offense was the answer. However, a guy that's a top-notch NBA player for 10-plus years, an MVP candidate in his prime, it's not fair to sit here and say, well, he's got to accept he is who he is, and if he doesn't, then he's a bad seed. No, the way he gets to the level he's been at for most of his NBA career is through confidence, through hard work through thinking that he can put the team on his back. So yes, it's a little frustrating to hear him occasionally say, well, I want more touches. As a Rockets fan, I get the frustration with that, and no, I don't think it was the answer. However, I'm not going to hold it against him and act like he's a bad guy or that there's something wrong for him saying or thinking that. That's part of what makes him a great NBA player. That's how these guys are wired. That's how great players think. Unfortunately, it was just one of a lot of issues with the Rockets last year, and, you know, it was a little bit of an annoyance at times, but certainly not a big deal, Suddenly nothing that should sully, you know, the image of Dwight or cause you to want to boo him or look back negatively on his time in Houston. Now, let's flash forward to last summer and eventually this current season. Yes, I know Dwight left the Rockets. No, he did not jilt them. He didn't leave you or the team at the altar. This was not Carlos Beltran in the 2005 Astros. And by the way, I'm not saying that I completely agree with the fans who booed Beltran for 10 plus years. And by the way, it's so funny that Beltran's going to be back this year and uh, probably cheered by those same guys. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying I understand where they're coming from. Because at least in that case, the Astros did want Carlos Beltran to come back. They made every possible attempt to make it happen, and he didn't. I'm not saying that he deserved the boos that he got, but I understand that the, how, why the fans feel jilted. Don't be uneducated. That is not what happened here, and you guys know that. This was a mutual parting of ways. My take on kind of the underlying relationship with Dwight and James was this. It was never really a seamless fit, but in a lot of ways, each guy's strengths compensated for the other's weaknesses. We know the issues that James has had defensively and the presence of Dwight as a rim protector and interior anchor really helped to mitigate a lot of those issues. And I also think there were a lot of times, especially in those playoff runs, where the presence of Dwight really helped James to become more accountable. Because when James saw a guy like Dwight so committed on the defensive end and putting such effort into it, I think it made James step up his effort as well. And then, of course, you look at it the other way. I think Dwight having James really helped Dwight from a basketball standpoint, because having James as a passer was able to put Dwight in much better positions to succeed. You put Dwight with the best pick-and-roll guard in the entire NBA, and, well, that brought out the best in Dwight's offense. He was never a great post player with the Rockets. They gave him opportunities to score without just having to touch the ball on the post and going through those uncomfortable moves. Yes, I know there were times that one of those guys might have been a little uncomfortable as a basketball fit. You always had James wanting to play a little more pick-and-roll, a little more up-tempo, whereas Dwight wanted to play a little bit uh, slower, more half-court-oriented defensive style. It wasn't the perfect marriage, but I did think it was a pretty good one. And when the Rockets were at a quasi-contender level, I think each of Dwight and James made the other better. In other words, when they were a contender, I think that small contrast in styles might actually help the team. But the problem was that when you get to last summer, the Rockets were coming off a 41-41 year in which they finished literally 32 games behind the Golden State Warriors, that's how far the Rockets were off the pace. So the Rockets, they were at a point where they were quasi-contender, and they just needed to kind of tweak a few things. They needed to essentially go back to basics and retool. And at that point, maybe the small differences in Dwight and James' fundamental preferences became a little more important. For starters, James is obviously younger than Dwight. He's got less injury history. So of course, the Rockets were going to build around James rather than Dwight. And then when they got to free agency, the thing is that after watching the Rockets last year, we knew that far and away the number one thing the Rockets needed around Harden and for Gerald Morey's style of play is to get more shooting. Well, they got it in Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon, and so far it's working out. The problem is that to sign those guys, the $133 million over four years, had to come from somewhere, and there just wasn't enough money to get those shooters and keep Dwight. That's just the reality of the modern salary cap and how the math works in the current MBA. I should have also mentioned that the Rockets hired Mike D'Antoni. That was obviously a great hire for James in particular, not as much for Dwight's preferred style of play. And again, I don't think it's an indictment of Dwight. It's just a matter of when you have a season like the Rockets did a year ago, 41-41, and wildly underachieving, you kind of have to go back to basics. And the way it worked out, Mike D'Antoni, Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon, there was just no way to make Dwight work within the confines of what the Rockets did with the rest of their offseason. And then you look at it from Dwight's perspective, he signed with the Hawks. That's his hometown team. I do think that's important to Dwight. One of the great things about him, he is a fantastic community guy. He did so much work around the city of Houston. And I think the opportunity to go back home and lead his hometown franchise, I think he really enjoyed that and looked at that as a positive. And then, as far as the basketball fit, the Hawks do play at a slower pace, which he likes. They've got a proven head coach. And, well, let's give Dwight and the Hawks credit. They're having a lot of success. As I've recorded this podcast, they're 28 and 20 leading their division. This was not a situation where Dwight left the Rockets high and dry. Don't boo him because he's the Carlos Beltran who left Houston. The fit just wasn't there for either side, and it was time for both of them to move on. And sometimes that happens. The Rockets went back to basics. They got Mike D'Antoni. They got the shooters. Dwight went back to his hometown team, and now he's playing in a somewhat slower, more defense-oriented style. And honestly, both sides are pretty damn happy right now. Now, here in Houston, I do know it's tempting for casual fans. Those are not really my day-in, day-out listeners here on Lockdown Rockets. I get it. And I know there's going to be some casual fans that look at last season's underachieving, this season's overachieving, and say the common denominator in Houston is the presence of Dwight Howard or the lack thereof. It's the perfect kind of narrative fit because it goes back to what everybody thinks about him from Orlando and L.A. And I know there's going to be a lot of casual fans who say, yeah, good for, good for the Rockets. They let him go. They're better. Obviously, Dwight Howard was holding them back. Boo. There's probably going to be a few that do that. Those folks are uneducated. Don't be those people. Because, if, guys, if you've actually watched this Houston team you know that the issues were much bigger than Dwight Howard. The differences between last season's Rockets team, this season's Rockets team, it's a lot more than that. You've gone from an unproven J.B. Bickerstaff to Mike D'Antoni, one of the more proven winners at head coach in the history of, well, I don't know about the history of the NBA, but certainly a modern NBA. Um, You've got all sorts of shooters like Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon playing key roles. And even James Harden. James Harden's a better leader, and he's a better defensive player than he was a year ago. It's not all about Dwight Howard. It never was. The issues that the Rockets had a year ago were much bigger than him, and the reasons for their turnaround this year are not as simple as well. Dwight left, so now now things are happy again. No, they retooled. They got a really good head coach. They added more shooters. James Harden has bought in more than ever before, and be happy. The Rockets are having a great season. They're 36 and uh, 36 and 16. Excuse me, top three in the West but it's not a matter of, well, they're having the success because Dwight is gone. You can both be happy for the current team and still show Dwight love for the role he played in his three seasons in Houston. Two of them were being really, really good. Bottom line, the reality here is this. Dwight Howard was a star and a leader on two of the better teams in Houston franchise history. The guys in that locker room loved him. The people throughout the organization From the top down, to this day, they still rave about him. Because in addition to his impact on the court, Dwight made such an impact in the Houston community as well. Always smiling, always helpful, always contributing to charity. Whatever you asked of him, Dwight was ready to do it. And then he's also an absolute class act too. I will say as a media member, not a lot of guys are willing to face the music. But Dwight, he answered every question, even the hard ones. When those of us in the media wondered why the Rockets were struggling, wanted answers, Dwight was always willing to talk with us. He was always candid. He's actually one of the better interviews that I've had in my, what, I think seven plus years of covering the Rockets and being around them on a regular basis. Dwight was a great guy in the community. He was a great guy for me as as a media member. And he was well-respected and loved, not just in the locker room, but throughout the Rockets organization. So... Yeah, there's a lot to be proud of when you look back at Dwight Howard's three years in Houston. And so when he comes back for the first time on Thursday night at Toyota Center, I hope he gets the type of ovation that he deserves. If he doesn't, think about what that says about Houston fans. Remember last month when Al Horford, a guy that was with the Hawks for a long time, did so much in the Atlanta community, um, but the Hawks never really... They never made the NBA Finals, never really got over the hump, and, of course, Horford left for Boston in the summer. And Hawks fans booed him. Remember how ridiculous that looked? Remember the reputation that they got on social media, how everyone just kind of said, Atlanta fan, they don't care, they don't follow, they're not passionate? Don't let them say that about Houston. If Dwight Howard, a guy that gives Houston a chance when nobody did— Think about all the off seasons before and since. Since then, think about what's gone on with Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosh, LaMarcus Aldridge, all the other stars the Rockets have heavily pursued in free agency. The one true max level free agent that has chosen Houston is Dwight Howard, and he gave you three—well, I'd say three good years and two really, really good years uh, from a team standpoint. So, if the one guy that takes a chance on Houston and gives you two of your better years, really, in um, modern franchise history for the Rockets, and he gets booed. Think about how that looks to the rest of the NBA. Think about what that makes Houston fans look like. That makes Houston fans look completely unreasonable, completely casual, makes it seem like that, well, the fans just don't know what's going on. They don't appreciate what's actually happening between the lines and also out in the community it makes the fan base look uneducated. And then you go to future off seasons when the Rockets are making these pushes, it's not easy to do that if players don't like the fan base for where they would potentially be playing. Yes, players notice this stuff. They notice the fans that are respectful and give you know and give props to players who gave great years to that organization, even if they leave elsewhere, they notice the ones that are ungrateful. Think about how those of us in the Rockets, how often have we mocked Lakers fans the last three years for their just never-ending obsession with Dwight Howard? Don't be those fans. Be happy. Be thankful for the chance that Dwight took on Houston and the great years that he gave the Rockets from 2013 through 2016. Those two years, especially the 2015 Western Conference Finals run, that was Really, some of the best memories of the Rockets this entire century. Really, ever since the 90s and the Hakeem-led team. Dwight gave a ton to Houston. I know there were a few awkward moments on the way out. I know the Rockets are playing better basketball now than they were a year ago. But that doesn't change the reality that Dwight Howard was a huge positive in Houston. And so with this being the first chance that he's back and on a big stage, it is going to be nationally televised. TNT, people around the entire country, maybe around the world, are going to be seeing this game. Don't leave them the impression that Houston fans are uneducated. If you want future star free agents to want to play in Houston, yeah, being part of a good organization that wins and playing with James Harden, that's a perk. Also, having great fans that have your back no matter what, that makes the Rockets organization look good as well. So take this as an opportunity. Take the high road. Show Dwight respect for the years he gave here and show the rest of the league that Houston fans aren't like Atlanta fans or... Any other city where this is going to... We're not like the Lakers fan. This is a city that rewards loyalty, that remembers the good times, and is thankful for what guys like Dwight Howard give them. Because I'll go back to what I said leading off this podcast. I know a lot of folks in the modern era like to say, well, championship or bust. And if there's no championship, then I'm going to scream and throw a tantrum. Something's terribly wrong. You're not you shouldn't watch sports if that's your mindset because there are too many damn good teams. All you can do is put yourself in position to have a chance if you have the talent like the Rockets did in those years, just put yourself in a position that maybe one year, April, May, the breaks are going to go your way. And maybe that team in 2015 that made the Western Conference Finals, maybe if Beverly and Yunis don't get hurt, maybe if one of those late shots from James Harden in Game 1 or Game 2 in Oakland in the Western Conference Finals, maybe if you get one more bounce on one of those shots, then Who knows? Maybe that that could have been the year of the Rockets. I don't just make the Western Conference Finals, but they win the entire damn thing. It didn't happen, but don't be one of those fans that say, well, they didn't win a championship, now they're playing better, so good riddance. No, those were some really good times, and if you as a fan base can show that you understand nuance, that you understand perspective, and that you are thankful for those times, not only is the fitting reward for Dwight, because... Yeah, he's changed a lot from Orlando in L.A., and I think it would make Dwight feel really good to have a fan base that doesn't hate him for leaving, but actually sees who he really is, not the narrative, but the person, the helpful guy that he wants to be, not just on the court, but in the community with the fan base as well. I think that would make Dwight feel really good. But beyond that, I think it would do a ton for the Rockets' reputation around the NBA and for potential free agents to say, hey, this isn't just a place with James Harden and Daryl Morey, but this is a franchise where the fans have the players' backs. Because that's that can be the difference in a close situation and whether the Rockets can close the deal with a future star free agent just as they did with Dwight in July 2013. Anyway, with that said, I will wrap up my soapbox. I just wanted to get those thoughts out there. I saw a lot of reaction on Twitter. Not just to me, I tweeted about it this morning, but also to other media members as well, speculating on the reception that Dwight's going to receive. I'm sure there are going to be a few boos because, let's be real, I appreciate my audience here at Locked on Rockets, but there are a lot of fans that go to games that are not diehard listeners that want to know everything about the Rockets, and those narratives are what they are, and that's unfortunate. But if you're listening to this podcast, if you're a legit Rockets fan, if you hear them booing, cheer louder. Drown them out. Dwight gave you, this community, some great moments over the past three years. This is his first time back. It's going to be a huge spotlight game. So beyond the Rockets, hopefully playing well from a basketball standpoint, let's make this city look good. Let's make this franchise look good. Give Dwight the ovation he deserves. Show him the respect. It's going to mean a lot to Dwight, but it's also going to mean a lot, I think, to Houston's perception around the entire league as well. So with that said, I will wrap up there. Again, I'm Ben Dubose. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Dubose. This is Lockdown Rockets, your home for daily podcast coverage of the Houston Rockets, the only podcast doing that, to my knowledge. You can follow the show at Lockdown Rockets. You can also email us at on Rockets at gmail.com with questions, suggestions, or advertising inquiries. We've got a very devoted listener base, close to 10,000 listens every week. We've got a very uh, heavy male audience, 18 to 54. So if you've got products that you would like to reach that demographic, we can certainly help you. It would help us bring the show to you even more frequently and of course we can help you on the business side as well so just reach out to us locked at gmail.com if you have anything you might want to advertise with us and I'll be happy to put you in touch with our advertising representatives turning back to the basketball well the Rockets it's an off day again no practice on Wednesday resting up because Thursday and Friday back to back with the Hawks and the Bulls but yeah there's still a lot going on with the Rockets there's the Dwight return and then well It's a positive stretch after all the road games of January, 17 games, all the injuries. Rockets are finally back healthy again. They only have two road games the entire month of February. Five of the next six are at home, and then you have the All-Star break. So yeah, we're going to have a lot of Rockets coverage at Toyota Sitter in the days and weeks ahead. And if you stick with us here at Locked on Rockets, we should certainly have you covered. Just search for us at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Audio Boom, wherever you subscribe to your media. Just search for Locked on Rockets. Give us a subscription, leave us a rating. That's how we're able to continue bringing this show to you on a daily basis, and we do want to be there for you um, to get you through the grind of this 82-game season, which hopefully is going to end with a uh, nice playoff run in a couple of months as well. Anyway, for now, I'll go back and enjoy the rest of this Wednesday off day. Hope you do as well, and I'll chat with you on Thursday from Toyota Center as the Rockets take on Dwight Howard and the Atlanta Hawks. Just remember, please give him the ovation he deserves. That's all I ask. See you at Toyota Center.